The first kick I took was when I hit the ground, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Football Ramble. Big wins for Liverpool and Man City and Marseille are shit. It's Wednesday, 4th of November. I'm Marcus Speller. I'm Jim Campbell. And I'm Eddie Russell. Hi gang, welcome to a wonderful Wednesday we have for you. Oh my goodness, Jim and Andy are ready to announce that the results are in and Liverpool won 5-0. <laughs> they, <did. laughs> they beat Atalanta oh, away from home. In a landslide. <laughs> you know, I, I think you're playing a bit of fast and loose here with... Uh, with what? With, with, with Jim's temperament. Yeah. He's had more coffee this morning, I mm-hmm. think, than Pete Donaldson has ever had. Yeah, and I already drink the most coffee out of anyone I know. So, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's typical boasting from someone like you. <laughs> I drink yeah. the most coffee than anyone I yeah. know. Prove- it's the greatest coffee I've yeah. ever had. Yeah. No, I mean, Prove Jim, I don't. We've, we've all been up all night watching <laughs> yeah. Joe Piggott's first ever goal at the new Plough Lane on a loop. Yes, we have, Andy. But you've got to draw the line when it gets to 3.30 in the morning. Yeah, well, I think, I think you do. I think you do, Andy. I'm sorry. Um, I'm just what- showing off. <laughs> it was a huge win for Liverpool. You've got to hand it to them. You really do. It was, they were fantastic, weren't they? I mean, a lot has been said about how brilliant Jota has been, but this, like, he stepped it up even from there because the hat-trick was just so, just so classy. And mm. Atalanta are not a bad side by any stretch of the imagination, but Liverpool made them look absolutely pedestrian. And it was only when they got to 5-0 and they were like, right, we need to save some face here. There's 35 they, minutes left. Yeah, I know. That was only at that point did they look like stemming the tide. Like, if they, if they tried to get more out of it, Liverpool could have scored more. Yeah, yeah Atalanta mad. definitely got off lightly there. Oh, it was it, it was beat five 0 at home and they got off lightly. It's <laughs> mad. Yeah, it is. It, it is was a mistake. Absolute mistake. And Klopp said, you know, this will be the toughest game in the in the group. You can understand why he said that. Of yes. Course. And then he said after the game, you know, my opinion hasn't changed of them. They're still crap. No, he said that you know they're obviously this is just sort of one of those results. But I mean. I understand Atalanta had a you know one or two sort of early little moments, and then when Zapata you know had a few efforts, you know perhaps they might have scored, but the game was well gone. But Reese Williams played him really well. I think that's something well, that will maybe get overlooked a little bit. Yes, in, in it's the, an important in, thing to in, say. In the fact that the, the the front three were was so incredibly good, hmm. um, and that Curtis Jones is really good. But yeah. Reese Williams had a great game. Well, Klopp said about um, Reese Williams, I cannot imagine being 19 years old and playing my second professional game in the Champions League against Zapata. He said. I would have been nervous like hell, but the boy was not. I couldn't be more happy for Reese. You should see him in the dressing room. You'd need something special to get the smile off his face. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just leave it there, Klopp. But with Reese Williams <laughs> and Nathaniel Phillips like making you know huge, huge impressions in like the, mm. in the last couple of games, it's it's just like it just keeps looking bright for Liverpool, doesn't it? I know. It, it really it, does. It, it just we, we we haven't seen Liverpool too many times this season, I think it's fair to say play like that when it's the sort of swashbuckling uh, you know dominant every time they go Mm. forward they look like they're going to score and you know at least uh, for for the most part they did uh, Jim but you know Jota filling in for for Firmino I mean what a a job he did you've got to be worried if you're Firmino at this point it was that good well because I mean obviously Firmino brings so much to the front line Mm -hmm. um, but he you know he, he doesn't his goals are, are fewer than Salah's and Mane's, and mm-hmm. certainly last season there was that um, situation where he, you know, he barely scored at home. If he scored at all, did he, did he get one late in the season? I don't remember exactly, but it was he scored, he scored against Atletico in the Champions League. Didn't yes, he? that's yeah, right. That's right. Yeah, um, but I, you know, you've got to be nervously looking at that, thinking, mm. God, if this guy keeps scoring, although, but he's been scoring from you know 
deeper um, deeper into the midfield as well, wasn't he? So maybe, you know, that actually doesn't matter and Klopp's just shuffling the pack a little bit. But what I really enjoyed about the performance was as well as it being an amazing team performance, mm-hmm. which it has to be to, to get a scoreline like that in the Champions League, it was one that was also peppered with amazing individual performances. Like Mo Salah was just absolutely unplayable last night. Mm-hmm. His goal, like, that, how the, the pace on that, the, the speed he must have been sprinting at to, to control the ball as well and just leave the defender for dead like that. It was... Um, um, Hatterberg, wasn't it? Just like yeah. you, you know, he's going to switch it onto his left, but he just didn't have anything for it. Oh, what it was just—it was marvelous, absolutely. Marvelous. Um, should Diego Jota have been given a curry for his man of the match performance, Andy? If he played for Carlisle United, he would have done. They give a curry to their man of the match. If you look at them on, on Twitter, there's there's various pictures of people, and it's in it's in those little uh, sort of tin foil sort of or foil kind of uh, uh, you know. Packets, if you like, yeah. containers that, 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 you get are, yeah, that are purposely built for people who don't have any clean crockery. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but in the dressing room, we just stood there holding it like I, that. I did. Years. I did enjoy those pictures, <laughs> and it was Toure, wasn't it? Who had his? And I, I think I, I noted he was holding it rather like Nicola Anelka held his West Brom shirt yeah. <laughs> when he signed for the club. Well, this, yeah, it was. It was. It was a little bit unimpressed. I, I remember speaking to a, a few of the French guys from. Um, Leighton Orient when they were there. Sorry, Leighton Orient when uh, they, they they were there a, a few years back, and uh, Roman Vonsolo, who's, who's who's still playing in England, played for various um, uh, Championship, League One, and League Two clubs. Mm-hmm. I remember him saying when um, he played his first game for Dagenham and Redbridge, how they got on the coach after the game, and the kit man started had a big box of Mars bars, and he was passing everyone a, a no. Mars bar as the the first step. In recovery, mm-hmm. wow. he was he was disgusted. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't even an almond one. <laughs> like you get on the continent, it was just a standard strategy. Mars you get bar. An almond Mars bar on the yeah. continent. My giddy aunt. Yeah, I don't. Oh, I can't wait for you're, the. You're feeling even better about having voted yeah. for Brexit, find now, aren't you, Marcus? Find me a travel corridor. <laughs> <laughs> we, as well as uh, the um, all of the curries being given out by Carlisle, some, this was posted on our, on our uh, Twitter, and uh, somebody also responded with a picture of Connor Salmon having been presented a pizza <laughs> and looking just, I, I think, completely reasonably furious with that. Uh-huh. As a, as the a, pizza must have been terrified. Any sort of bearing in mind that your weird... role in life in pizza is to be eaten. Yeah. I mean, to be eaten by that man at that moment. Yeah, but these are better post-match, uh, uh, sort of man of the match gifts than a bottle of champagne, is it not? Do you yeah. remember? Do you remember? Because you can see it off straight away because your body, you get, you, you tear through those calories, Andy. Do you remember Freddie Flintoff um, in a one-dayer for England in India mm-hmm. being given a, a, a motorbike as man of the match? No. And going on a little ride around the outfield. Wow. Is that right? Yeah. Like, see, that's cool. Like, what, why, just make it opulent. Make it like bullseye. You can win like a speedboat for the, yeah. the man of the match. I mean, a motorbike. Or, or a microwave or a, or a holiday well, there was in a CD, Regis There was a two. CD player given once to a player back in the 90s who maybe was, was not a drinker or something like that. And it was, it was there, there you go, that's, you know. Carl, you should, Carl Lieburn won a telly from Rumbelows when it was the Rumbelows Cup. And he had to go to Rumbelows in, in Charlton <laughs> or Woolwich. And like, like, some, some bloke gave it to him and he had to wheel it and put it in the back of his own car. It wasn't even done for but him. A man of the match gift, though, it shouldn't be a bit, little bit, not a burden for giving a, giving a free TV, but you shouldn't have to go and do that, if you see what I mean. No, I agree. Yeah. Mm. Book vouchers. Yeah, I mean. Choose your own thing. Uh, yeah, to... to you know, to spoil the party and drag it back to your point, 
I don't think Liverpool players are getting these sort of things as their, for their man of the match performances. It's very true, but Jota was w- worthy of his man of the match because that. I mean, the, the first goal was Get him beautiful. Get a jetpack or something by that logic. <laughs> <laughs> the second goal was delightful as well. I mean, he's he's taken it to like a duck to water really at Liverpool, and he's not started too many games. You wouldn't you wouldn't have expected him to, but I mean, he got a goal on the weekend as well, which was a crucial one. I mean, but it's I four think games in a row, isn't it, for Liverpool? He scored. Yeah, and I, I think he's, he scored in his first three home games, didn't he? And I, I think. The point that Jim made about his versatility is a, is a very good one. The fact that he said, I'm at the disposition of the team mm-hmm. in any way, whether I'm a forward, whether I'm a midfielder, whether I'm a substitute. And I, I don't think it is just about him maybe squeezing Firmino out. Although, because that was such an authoritative performance, not just by him, but by the whole of the front three, it is easy to think, you know, could this be a permanent change? Um but Jota has, has been brilliant so far, not just because he's filled so many different roles, but because what he's done, I think Jonathan Liu wrote in The Guardian today, he's, been, he's quite economical mm-hmm. in what he does, in his movements, his shots. There's, there's nothing flash, there's nothing gaudy about him. Nothing he's vicious. Very, very, <laughs> <laughs> he's very efficient, and I, th- I think that's, that's super important. But I, I also think that you've got to bear in mind the way that Atalanta play, which is very offensive. And you've got to bear in mind the fact that there are more and more thrashings in the Champions League these days because teams will chase a deficit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's what happened to them. Well, or one it, of the things that happened well, to them. They like to play an open, expansive game. And against Liverpool, that's just it's like a hot knife through butter. Yeah, and Atalanta have defended quite badly throughout the, the, the opening weeks of this mm. season. I think going into this game, though, they're in the bottom six in terms of goals conceded. They've conceded like... 13 in 6 mm-hmm. in, the, in in Serie A so far. So Yeah, well, was Liverpool haven't conceded a goal in Group D yet. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's been more, very impressive. More like a lightsaber through jelly, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit better. Um, and uh, one of the men who was wielding uh, that uh, lightsaber was Mo Salah, of course, now joint highest Champions League uh, goal scorer slash European Cup scorer in Liverpool's uh, history uh, with with Stephen Gerrard. That's you know? amazing. Isn't that, to hit that so quickly is incredible. It's not too shabby, is it? Con- considering the pedigree they've had in European competition as well I know Champions League games is a lot more of them than there was in, in the European Cup era yeah. uh, but still it's a, it's a, a magnificent feat uh, from the Egyptian um, in the group Ajax beat Micheland um, which uh, not too surprising 2-1 uh, earlier in the day though there was a delightful photograph involving Edwin van der Sar and Peter Schmeichel who bumped into each other uh, like shopping in the city because oh. obviously Van der Sar's uh, you know works with Ajax and, uh, and Schmeichel I think was was punditing on the game but uh, isn't that lovely the, nice. sort of goalkeepers little, union little Manchester United goalkeepers union yeah. although if I was Edmund yeah. Van der Sar I'd say well, you play for Man City mate yeah you know well, you should have come to Fulham <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. I, I'm more of a purist than you. Yeah. I never played for another English club after this. <laughs> Edwin's, Edwin van der Sar playing for Fulham, is just, I just love it so much. You, you forget it, don't you? Yeah. How, yeah. how did they pull that off? And Dimitar Berbatov's another yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. But not quite the same, I, I admit. Uh, but yeah, he, he um, got his career back on track at Fulham. Because at Juventus it wasn't... Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't going there quite right, Andy. No, it's tough. Yeah. So all those uh, those trophies at Manchester United again, they sort of lead back to Fulham. Um, staying in Manchester, gentlemen. Manchester City beat Olympiacos three uh, nil. Another goal for Ferran Torres, who scored in four consecutive uh, Champions yeah. League games. Um, he's decent, Andy. He's one of those signings that I don't think. And I'm basing this on my own experience. So forgive me, football fans, if I'm putting you in the same boat as me. But it is a jolly old ship. Um, Torres, he he's like a, he's sort of, you know, he's got a bit of quality. 
and, and and you know he's at Manchester City, but I haven't seen him that many times. And then he pops up with this and you think, oh, right, yeah, he's... I'm sort of... I haven't noticed him that much, but when you do, he's there. But he's not one of their sort of blockbuster players, if you see what I mean. Yeah, and I, I think as well, you look at the value involved in, in, in bringing him in. I think there was a sense that... Of course, he was a player that they wanted, but it was an opportunity, as we said, I think, on here before, rather rather than a planned signing because of his contractual situation at Valencia, because of the price, because they're flogging everyone. All of those sort of things came into play. And you did think, well, for the future, because he's, he's not had an easy season last season. And I think in terms of the talent he's got, he should be further ahead. He should have been further ahead than he was when he arrived at, at Manchester City. So, uh, you know, I think it was quite reasonable not to expect him to walk into the team. But if you're in that sort of situation, this is maybe the best possible season to be thrown into a big club as a, as a young player. Oh, yeah. I guess you could say about Jota to a certain extent. You know, you need to shuffle. Coaches need to shuffle more than ever before. Of course, they're very stretched with injury at the moment because Gabriel Jesus only just coming back. Aguero's out at the moment. And, of course, Pep Guardiola is never going to say, oh, we haven't got any proper strikers. <laughs> He's going to stick yeah. a winger in there, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's that's worked very well for him. But, you know, coming from the chaos that is Valencia to playing with Manchester City, playing well, particularly mm. as they have been in the last two Champions League games, or last two and a half Champions League games, I mean, it, it must be like a, a, an incredible feeling. Mm. Yeah, especially like... To begin with such a baptism of fire, to be to be played out of position as the focal point of the team and to thrive, that is really, really impressive mm-hmm. from him. So, I mean, it almost like that gives him a like a head start on settling in and, mm-hmm. and, and be, becoming an important part of the team because, you know, if you didn't know, if you didn't know otherwise, you'd think he was a striker. Yeah. Well, yeah, you would. Um, he's got a lovely little flick, didn't he? Indeed. I always call it a Del Piero flick. And I once said that to Danny Welbeck when I was uh, interviewing him when I said, oh, you scored a, a Del Piero flick against uh, Sweden, Jim, when we were there in, in Kiev, of course. And he went, no, that was a Welbeck flick. Yeah. And I said, of course it was, Danny. <laughs> yeah. We celebrated that one twice, didn't we? We did. <laughs> once when it went in, the second time when we saw the replay and realised he meant it. Manchester <laughs> <laughs> um, City were, I mean, you know, comfortable in the end, 3-0, but there were shaky moments, especially that sort of uh, reluctance to just lump it out when it's yeah. when there's a bit of trouble, Jim. And you sort of think to yourself, oh, lads, come on. No mm. one's going to think, Pep, no one's going to think bad of you. Yeah. Your, 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 your status of, of the ultimate football perv that will not be corrupted <laughs> if Edison just puts his foot through that and, yeah. and, and whacks it into the opposition's, opposition's Absolutely. Half. Yeah, Valbuena had a had a chance to, to score mm. as well, didn't he? Uh, yeah, that was that was after that playing it about the back, wasn't it? Because yeah, yeah. having been at Wimbledon last night, I was watching the extended <laughs> highlights. Yeah, I was I was watching the extended highlights and um, they showed them playing it about the back. And even though you know what the result is, you're mm. still going, what are you doing? I know. What are you doing? And then when... Valbuena hits it wide and then holds his knee. Mm. And I think if you saw that clip isolated and you didn't know anything about Matthew Valbuena, you'd think, oh no, he's seriously hurt himself there. He looks in absolute agony. And I thought, next clip, he's going to be running around like a spring chicken. (laughs) (laughs) And he was. He certainly was. Back in his old number 10 position. Lovely. It's nice to see him again. It was nice to see John Stones as well. Yeah, yeah. I think it was, it was nice to see old John. Um, but yeah, I so Manchester City, like I say, ended up three 0 Andy. Great goal from Gabriel Jesus to kind of oh amazing kill it off. Mm. And Ian Dark on the comms said it was um, what did he say? It was close to sensational or near sensational. 
What would it have been? Did it need to kiss the bar as it went I, into I love, sensational? I love Ian Dark, but that that is... He could have let himself go. He didn't yeah. have to do the conditional at the beginning. Well, what, what? How do you take that as a striker? <laughs> <laughs> that was near sensational. How near? What do you mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, what, did, what do you think Ian Dark... What does it need to be sensational for Ian Dark, Andy? Boxing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe if it had been on the volley. So he'd gone the full Van Basten. Or the US scoring a late goal in a World Cup. He does enjoy that, as we know, that memorable piece of commentary. Yeah, what I particularly like about Gabriel Jesus is he always, despite the fact he's been at Manchester City for a while, and he's, he has. you know, established himself to a certain degree now, always calls his mum after he scores a goal. Oh, well, not immediately that. after. No, that, that, that little... Oh, is, that, is that who he's that, calling? Oh, I wondered who he's phoning. You watch his lips and he's going, hello, mate. He's, he's saying, hello, mum. Oh, I didn't realise. That's yeah. lovely, that. Is that what Griezmann does as well with that? Uh, is he phoning Gabriel Jesus' yeah. like, Griezmann's because he does both, <laughs> isn't it? It's more like the, the Budweiser advert. The uh, old WhatsApp one. <laughs> Maybe he's phoning mum and dad. and they. Yeah. Maybe he's phoning Gabriel Jesus' mum. Yeah, that's true. Again, I, if, if I didn't know anything about Drake, I, I would have thought it was a sort of Wolf of Wall Street sort of tribute. Like, bye, bye, sell, sell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, well, that's a lovely celebration from, from Jesus. Isn't I, it? Uh, yeah. Well, I want him to score more near sensational and some sensational goals, mm. uh, Gabriel, if and you're listening. It, and even just the odd crap goal. Yeah. <laughs> such a thing. <laughs> if you're a number nine, you're obliged. Yeah, yeah. indeed you are. Indeed you are. Um, well, of course, uh, Manchester City uh, play Liverpool on the weekend. So they'll they'll... they'll Take a little bit of momentum uh, from from this game, Andy. You would think, you know, well, Guardiola's even offered them a day off, hasn't he? Well, he did. Uh, he sounded quite pleased. Uh, he said, "Now is the time to enjoy tonight, nine points, and then tomorrow we recover." I'm delighted with the situation we have, and there is sunshine forecast in Manchester for the next few days. To, to me, if I was playing under Pep Guardiola and he said that, I'd feel like this is a test. Mm. <laughs> you know I mean, I've got to be practicing triangles around the house or something. Like, I've got, like so, have you, well, is he going to go around like the shopping centres and stuff and go, "Oh, hi, Pep, yeah. just taking my day off." In it, yeah, oh, you with are, a are you? <laughs> Balls for all the ears, obviously. <laughs> Oh, dearie me. Yes. Um, well, in the same group, Porto beat Marseille 3-0. 12 consecutive Champions League defeats for Marseille. A wry smile on the beautiful face of Andy Brassel, who, of course, is a, a Leon lovey. Um, Andy, <laughs> uh, what do you think of this? I think it would be better if they actually, you know, got some wins and did a bit of hard work for, for Francis coefficient for points. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, that's beyond Marseille. <laughs> Well, uh, Andre Vyshboish uh, was was very down after the game. It doesn't sound that there's going to be any wins, by the way, in the Champions League this season. When uh, Vyshboish says, in order to be shit in the Champions League, you have to at least qualify for the Champions League. We did it and we are being shit. It's, it's weird that, isn't it? Because it sounds like he's making a point about something, but yeah. also he kind of isn't. Yeah, you sort of think, you remember when uh, Warnock, Neil Warnock, yeah, let's mention him in the Champions League chat, was in charge, was it QPR? He was in charge. I can't remember who it was. Yeah. And he you, said, you drive yourself mad trying to remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it could be a number of non-big six clubs. And uh, he, he, they got beat 4-1 or 4-0, something like that, on their opening day of the Premier League season and all the players are a bit down and he walks in and goes, oh, isn't it great, lads? Isn't it great to be beaten 4-0 in Premier League than having to win 2-1 in the Championship or something like that, you know? So in other words, just trying to G them up, going, yeah. come on, we And I thought Vizboas may have been trying to do that. But clearly not, as he went on to say, what can we do now? It's up to us. It's on Marseille what happened to this shit. <laughs> just, inspiring and, words I, from I, the boss. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. You'd follow the mister into battle with a speech like that, wouldn't you? Jesus. Or oh, I'd walk across a desert for him. <laughs> 
it can't get any better than this, Andy. It just can't. Yes. The, uh, the uh, David Moyes of League Europe currently. Uh, it's, it's a particular situation as well, because mm. uh, Porto is his home, yeah. his, his place as well. And he's already said that he plans to make a run for, for Porto pr- president. Like, Maybe even soon. Maybe oh, yeah. even what? after. Maybe even after Pinto da Costa. Are they still counting the votes as, on that as, as well? Retired, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, he, he did when he when he landed. His first comment was, "Ah, oh, the fog is part of what makes this city magnificent." Oh, wow. and presumably that's getting an what's excuse the, early what, for the team as what's well. The river um, that goes through Port Duro. Fog in the Douras all night. No, no, okay. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, let's worth, have worth a crack. let's have a quick break. Still angry, Thierry Henry, isn't he? Uh, welcome back to the Football Ramble, everybody. Oh, my goodness. What does this button do? Just even a show at footballramble.com Right now, so Peter or Vish or Kate or Jules or Jim or Andy Luke All my kids can read it out Well done That's right, everybody. Get in touch with us. Show at footballramble.com or tweet us at Football Ramble. You know what amuses me most about that jingle as we hear it more and more? Your name's is, in it. Is that, well, yeah, that I think Pete drove himself mad for, for a bit, as we mm. mentioned, thinking either accidentally leaving me out or thinking that he'd left me out. <laughs> but the brilliant thing is, I never even have to read the emails. So yeah. he could have left me out. Yeah, but yeah. You're, 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 you're poised though, Andy. You're, kind of, you're, you're there if you're needed for an email. Right. So there may be a, there may be a time when when you do read one out, and that's Pete's a very forward thinking man. Okay, that's a bit too mm. much pressure, Mark. Can we move on? <laughs> this is from Kieran on Twitter. Uh, hey, Ramblers! I'm just listening to today's show. Ooh, he's quick, isn't he? Um, I think he means yesterday's. Uh, and I can confirm the story about St. Patrick's Athletic fans not being able to stay in the only hotel in their game uh, against Iceland. I'm not even going to try to pronounce how that island is uh, pronounced. Um, Vesmania. Well done. You see, you've, yeah. you've contributed to the reading of an email. And I set you up <laughs> purposely. The bit. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. And that's why you're in the jingle, Andy. I'm exhausted. Can I go home now? You can. Uh, yes, of course, we spoke about this, for those who, who didn't hear it, when uh, St. Patrick uh, St. Patrick Athletic uh, went uh, to a Europa League preliminary match, I think it was, in Iceland. Um, it was it was on an island off the main coast, and there was only one hotel on that island. And uh, some of the fans had booked rooms in that hotel, and the team were like, well, we... we we need that hotel, so can you chip off and find somewhere yeah. else to stay, essentially? Where did they go? Well... I guess we'll find out. The email goes on. I went to the game to support the Saints with four mates, and we stayed with a lovely Icelandic family for the night. Um, Vestmanica is an island, so the following morning we travelled back to the mainland on the same boat as the UEFA delegate and match officials who took the friendly stick they got quite well. I mean, that's quite telling in itself, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, we saw some UEFA delegates, abused them. Everyone <laughs> had a lovely time. <laughs> well, he, he does say friendly stick. To yeah, you know, fair enough. That's great, that, isn't it? Stick. Oh, okay, marvellous stuff there. Well, uh, we very much appreciate that, Kim. Mm. 
Well, this one, uh, we've got another email that's come all the way from Auckland in New Ooh. Zealand. Um, so, good day, Ramblers. Uh, Ali from Auckland, New Zealand here. Back in 2014, I was working as an intern for the Wellington Phoenix, New Zealand's only professional football team, when both Newcastle United and West Ham both came to NZ for a couple of pre-season friendlies. As part of this tour, uh, we got what we thought were free tickets to go and watch the NZ Breakers, professional NZ basketball team, play. As we were walking in, I was handed a huge canvas bag and told to carry it in. I did as I was told and then was instructed to put it in one of the dressing rooms. As I walked in, I was instructed to get ready as I'm on in five. Confused, <laughs> I asked, ready for what? They said, get in the outfit and we'll see you outside shortly. Get in I, the outfit. I opened the canvas bag and I was instantly filled with dread. It was a Nixie's mascot outfit. Nixie is the Wellington Phoenix mascot who is a Phoenix bird, which is essentially a chicken on fire. <laughs> I got in the suit and couldn't see a thing. I was then shoved out into the arena and proceeded to pose the wrong way in photos with children, attempt a hard half-court shot which almost hit the cheerleaders and knocked people and things over constantly. I cannot stress enough how little I could see. Ali, that is absolutely fantastic. I'm <laughs> sorry that happened to you, but I can relate to that because I was in H&M once and somebody asked me, um, uh, they were sort of trying to colour match something, thinking I worked there. And rather than explain, I, I just helped them. I just sort of like, I just helped them <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, do, yeah, do yeah. what they needed. Like, so I just gave H&M some free work. Mm-hmm. And I, I would have probably done the same thing rather than just go, hang on, no, I'm not your mascot. <laughs> You can, I like how you, yeah. you interrelate. I gave them some free I work. I give them some free work. <laughs> I need to invoice them, actually. If you work for H&M, get in touch. That should be on you. How much do you think you should be paid for that? I've worked for probably about a minute and a half. Yeah. So, I don't know. Probably, I don't know. Well, in well, Carlisle United terms, that's what, like half a poppadom or something? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe a singular bit of chicken. Who knows? A little cube of chicken, Jim. Oh, well, there we are, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for your emails. We now move on to a special section of the show, which I've dubbed people sticking the boots into Barcelona. Mm. <laughs> I'm surprised that this has happened and that this has become such a regular thing, but here we are. Here we are indeed. Uh, the great Wackin uh, recently said, I wouldn't take Koeman, not even as a kit man. There is no better time to face Barcelona than now. Yeah. He's a funny one, Wackin. He, he is. Like, he's, you know, obviously, you know, as, as people who don't speak Spanish, um, two of us in the room anyway, um, <laughs> We kind of miss a miss a lot of um, what Joaquin's known for, but he's known for being a real, real joker, isn't he? And just like coming yes. out of all kinds of mad stuff. Like, so I don't know how true this is, but I, I remember this this bit from an from an interview with him from an article I read about Joaquin, which uh, I'm just going to read it as it was written. One of nine kids, he attributed his strength to being breastfed until the age of six. Correct. And it wasn't just that he said so; it was that he recalled football matches in the plaza where uh, where while the other kids would head to the water fountain for a drink, he would head straight for his mum. Now that can't. <laughs> true can it but like this is the sort of thing Joaquin is happy to put out about himself and people so. people talk about Messi and growth hormones yeah <laughs> uh, I mean it's extraordinary really Andy you never played in France though because that would suggest he was at the Brest Academy <laughs> um, but uh, but there we are um, because Brest is play Barcelona uh, this weekend yeah and Joaquin is still excellent by the way oh, of, how is he 39 39 and That's great. He's, 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 he's still, still quick because that was such a big part of his game. Yeah, he's he's quick. He's he's, he's strong. There's there's so much about him, but mm. he's he's got an all round 
game as well. But um, yeah, the, the relationship between him and Kuman, of course, Kuman was his his coach at Valencia. Mm. In what was you know when when people who watch Spanish football saw Kuman coming over for the Barcelona job, a lot of people thought, well, he's taking on a lot there. Whereas people who watch Spanish football for years and years and years probably thought, well. Can it be any worse than yeah, when he was in yeah. charge of Valencia? Because it's weird. You, you look down and it's like, well, he won a cup there. He did win a cup, yeah. but he got sacked as well, though. Y- yeah, I mean, the league form was dreadful yeah. and it was kind of a legacy cup win, a bit like Roberto Mancini at mm-hmm. Fiorentina, if you like. But he also said on, on Saturday when he was talking about um, Koeman, when um, Betis are going to play them, he said, when, um, when I see Koeman... He won't say hello to me, and I won't say hello to him. <laughs> see, if I was Kuman, I'd go straight up to him, hug him. Oh, no, you can't hug, as in like elbow bump or whatever they mm. whatever you need to do. Some sort of over-familiarity is yes, what, what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, other people sticking the boot into Barcelona um, are Luchescu, uh, 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 the Dynamo Kiev manager. He was talking them down, and they're playing them tonight at the new Camp. I mean, what? with a load of players out with coronavirus. Yeah, I was a bit like, "Oh, mate, what are you yeah. playing at?" But he was saying, "I mean, was he sticking?" The, yeah, he was saying that they're they're not going to win the Champions League on on their current form. This is, you know, they've got some great players, but uh, they need to work out how to use the mechanisms or something. Well, he, like he, that. he said some more fundamental stuff than that. He said they're they're not quick enough. They've they've got some problems with pace, was the way you put it. Yeah. Like, oh, of... you watch the Bayern match too. Yeah. <laughs> Is that going to bite him on the arse? For me, that feels like Koeman just putting Usman Dembele straight in. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. You've got no pace, have we? Yeah, exactly. Um, and and uh, your favourite and mine, Andy, is yours, Jesus. Was, yeah. Was also having a little dig at Barcelona. Well, last last week after they um, beat Standard Liège and, and played very well. <laughs> um, Benfica, this is. Yeah. Uh, it was it was put to him that um that they were they were quite reminiscent uh Benfica of Barcelona he said not current Barcelona I hope I don't want anyone comparing Benfica to current Barcelona George he said if you're comparing us to to Pep Guardiola era Barcelona I will accept that but not current Barcelona I just say people are lining up to have the digs. Yeah. What do you think? How, how are they going to respond? How's Koeman going to respond? I mean, there's a man with an ego that can uh, trump anyone. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Suarez, of course. Oh, yeah, he he's, had a dig. Uh, he's, well, yeah, that's to be expected. It's an ongoing dig, though, yes. isn't it? The thing is, they've made an enemy of Suarez. Did you, did you see what he, he said? It was a, a little while ago now, but he said in terms of when Atletico play them, mm-hmm. uh, he said, if I scored against Barcelona, I would not yell or go crazy, but I surely would point somewhere. I love that, like a cowboy. I surely would. I know. Is he not pointing to who he said? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he was basically talking about he's going to point at who he blames for like his exit. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah, be easier now, of course. There's less people. Well, exactly. <laughs> and Kiko Setien's nice and relieved. He's like, oh, I'm not even there anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel good. He'll find a way. You Just point down you. the camera. Yeah, you know who you are. <laughs> Oh, by the way, talking to Suarez, did you see that he was booked last night uh, against uh, Locomotive Moscow after uh, there was a VAR call for um, Locomotive for for a penalty decision, I think it was. And uh, Luis Suarez was having a little sneaky peek at the the replay. I mean, it was inevitable that a player was going to be booked for this. And And it it was was also... Yes. (laughs) (laughs) This is the thing with Suarez, isn't it? He is one of the great shithouses of all time. You can put any type of new technology or any type of new scenario in front of him and he will adapt to it. I'm going to point out the person who wronged me at Barcelona. There's new technology. I'm going to find a way to get booked because of it. It's, I think he uh, he is one of the great shithouses of 
human history. Yeah. He transcends sport. I mean, we're talking John Dillinger, who was once broke out of a local jail and deliberately <laughs> went out of his way to steal the car of the sheriff who arrested him to use as a getaway car. Deliberately made his task harder to do that. We're talking C.L. Blood, a con man <laughs> who once sold people oxygenised air as a cure-all. Oxygenised air. He was taking the piss out of these people to their faces. Suarez is up there with these historic monsters. It is incredible. <laughs> what do you think he's going to do in the international break? Count votes in Pennsylvania? <laughs> hey! <laughs> oh, dear me. I love it because the, lo- the referee's assistant had to run over and like basically usher him away. And then it all... But I love to think that Suarez just stood there going... Eh. I don't think he did touch him. You know, the referee's going, this is not a discussion that you and I have. You know, so, it was yeah. his own foul, wasn't it? Uh, was it his own foul? I think it was, yeah. I, I guess the intelligent running of Suarez is what took the fourth official out of play. Because the fourth official is basically meant to yeah. shield the monitor from the mm-hmm. The intelligent from the players. running. Yes. Uh, there we are. And Joao Felix should have ran in and, what, and, and actually had a good look at the, at the VAR. That's what you're saying. The decoy run from Suarez and yeah, somebody gets exactly. Oh my goodness! Well, gentlemen, tonight uh, we've we've got a big game. Uh, Manchester United uh, playing Bazak Shahir, and Manchester United their their form in the in the Premier League has differed yeah. from their form in the Champions League somewhat. Man United Champions League edition is fantastic. Yeah, but as Vish said not that long ago on the podcast, similar under David Moyes. That Moyes, you know, was getting a bit of a tune out of them until they obviously played a, a decent Bayern Munich side. Um, I, what, what do we expect from this one? I mean, more of the same, Andy? A comfortable Champions League victory? You know what? We'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see because Bajic here uh, greatly improved, actually, mm-hmm. over the last little while. We, we spoke before about how they had a dreadful start to their league campaign. As defending champions, if you lose your first three games of the season and two of those against newly promoted side, mm-hmm. that is going some. Uh, but they've got it together in, in, in recent weeks. Um, the one again at the weekend at Konya Sport, I thought they were really good against Paris Saint-Germain and the the, the, the goal changed it, really. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, it's interesting. If, if you look at the, the PSG game, the difference between that and Manchester United I think is is the fact. Not that Manchester United are a long way in front of Paris Saint-Germain at the moment because I don't think that's the case. But Bajek Shahir had the ultimate coach in Demba Bar, who mm. is the self-declared biggest Paris Saint-Germain fan in the world and watches all their games and coach the team through some of the prep. So we finally found a die-hard PSG supporter is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, that's what, what, what you need or what Bajek Shahir need is a Manchester United equivalent, really. Well, they could have former Man United right-back Raphael playing. He is quite a big United fan. Yeah. Mm. But, I mean, his commitment, rather than to preparation, is to extremely late tackles, isn't it? Yes. Uh, it's one of the one of the many things that makes him... He's so popular, isn't yeah. he, amongst former mm-hmm. supporters of his, his former clubs. He's, he's loved at Lyon, despite being... Absolute loose cannon. Same at, same at Manchester United. But do you think it's the fact that he looks like he's trying really, really oh, hard? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he plays he plays football like any of us would mm-hmm. at the top level if we had talent. But do you, I mean, perhaps... Sorry, Mark, such Mark, a dig at Marcus Raphael. is accepted. No, 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 no. I was I just saying, if Raphael heard that, he'd be like, cheers. Yeah, thanks, mate. No, <laughs> I think that's quite a nice thing to say, isn't it? You, well, I, you I, play I, like a fan would play? Oh, I see what you... I thought you meant he was just crap. 
No, he's got the talent. We haven't got the talent. Yeah, okay. Yeah, sorry, sorry. That's, I misunderstood. Yeah, so he's me and Jim that. don't have the talent. No, no, no. <laughs> Andy, come on. I wasn't saying that. Um, so no, I'll tell you what, if you got picked for Bajic's year, you would be one of the youngest players in the team. I would be... It's not too late, Marcus. It's it, not it, too late. It's never too late. Um, if he runs around giving away sort of set pieces and things, they'll be delighted with that, won't they? Yeah. I think United... But you're they, saying they, Raphael plays with enthusiasm like a fan would do mm. if he got to that level. Yeah, what a, what a fan would do if he'd eaten seven bags of Moam and drunk as much coffee as Jim before he went on the pitch. <laughs> right, I'm with you now, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah, it's, um, it's it's an interesting one for Man United, isn't it? Because the narrative seems to ebb and flow with them based on whether they're playing in the Premier League or playing in, in Europe. Mm. And it's, it's almost like a, the Champions League's a little holiday. Um, I, I can just imagine Solskjaer before the game going, we're Manchester United, you know, this is where this is what we do, this is where we belong. Because that, that seems to be his reaction to everything, doesn't mm. it? If they win, it's like, we're Manchester United. Yeah. And if they lose, it's like, we're Manchester United. It's uh-huh. like... I think you need a bit more than this. Yeah. Well, of course they are away in Turkey, so a slight holiday vibe, Jim. I don't know, but uh, but I know one or two of their players were mentioned that you know the Turkish crowds can be quite hostile, so it does go in their favour that there's yeah. no fans in the stadium. Well, I mean that would be the same playing Bajikshir at any time. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and I suppose it's quite a new side. And of course, yeah, and and of course the fact that Bajikshir isn't in Istanbul proper. So uh, that, that that maybe makes a, a, a bit of a difference. The other thing I suppose you would say in, in that situation is Bajik Shahir are perfectly tailored to play in, in the current conditions, really, mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I wonder if they would have sold this game out even if we'd have been full on for fans. But, you know, they're, they're, they've got lots of experienced players, but Manchester United, as, as Jim said, in the Champions League, are something a bit extra. You do feel they can play with that little bit more freedom. I think what we're talking about about the how you can cash in playing on the counter attack in Europe, mm. I, I think is, is is something that really plays the Manchester United strengths as well. Mm. Yeah, I mean that does seem to be Plan A through Z, doesn't it? Mm. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, of course, has been in charge of a hundred games for Manchester yeah. United now, uh, and they've won fifty five of them, drawn twenty one, and lost twenty four. Now the the impressive uh, opening run that he had, of course, you know, helps with that tally of 55, but it's still on his record. Yeah. Um, I mean, some some were saying that he's actually had a better opening 100, uh, first 100 games for Manchester United than, say, Klopp had at Liverpool. Mm. Um, but there are starting points, though, right? So uh, basically what I'm going to ask you, Andy, is can you see Manchester United winning the Champions League and running away with the Premier League anytime soon? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, to quote Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, this is Manchester United, <laughs> and that is what should be expected, right? That's that's what they're aiming at. And mm. I mean, the fact that you can ask that question with a little glint in your eye as as a joke mm. is so telling, mm. because of you know, surely nobody expects them to in do terms, that. In terms of the Champions League, if someone else knocked out Bayern, why not? I know what you mean. I think the Champions League is more up for grabs than people think. But it's you, it's do you super think, open. But do you think Solskjaer's got the tactical, you know, nous to to take on? You know, even someone just what? below the level of a buy-in. What, like Barcelona? Because we've heard about them, haven't yeah, we? we've heard all about them. Yeah, yeah. they're not just not below the level they're of Bayern either. <laughs> they're a joke. What about Real Madrid? Sergio Ramos is going to win it on his own. 100 goals for Real Madrid he's now got. Absurd. <laughs> I, I really like the idea of uh, Sergio Ramos as Manchester United player manager, actually. I think, I think we all like that, Andy. I think we all like that yeah. a lot. Um, Chelsea play Wren, of course, uh, tonight as well. So that should be an interesting affair. Before we go, Andy, come on. AFC Wimbledon, 
You were back in Plough Lane last night. Sadly, they didn't win the game. It was a late equaliser, the Doncaster overscored. Yes. But I'm sure that didn't take away the shine from what was uh, what was a historical evening. No, it it, it didn't at all. And um, it felt quite surreal. I think it will take a couple of weeks, stroke months to, to sink in. Hmm. Obviously, there's a, a degree of sadness that not everyone was there because sure. then, it, then it would have been absolutely fantastic. But seeing actual football in an actual stadium at Plough Lane was pretty epochal mm, epochal have a little read around that ladies and gentlemen uh, as I say because there is still romance in English football there we are ladies and gentlemen uh, thank you very much for listening to the Football Ramble it's been an absolute pleasure I'm back tomorrow back once again with Andy and Pete Donaldson uh, so look forward to that thank you very much Andy Brassel thank you thank you Jim Campbell you're welcome thank you listeners see you tomorrow this was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.